Alabama Senate Republican candidate Roy Moore is hit with serious sex allegations. So is Louis C.K. and we'll check the mailbag. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So the sickness has not yet lifted from me. Like Doc Holliday, I'm going to have to be sent out to the desert to cough up a lung. But before any of that happens, we will get to the news of the day. Uh, I'm going to talk at length about Roy Moore. How seriously should we take these allegations? Are they credible? What should Roy Moore do? And why is it that everyone always seems to jump to the defense of a person so long as they are on their political side? We'll get to all of that. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Birch Gold. So you look at the economy right now, it's doing great. Thank God. It's all great. The stock market is doing really well. The real estate market is booming. But we have seen this before, and very often it is followed, every 8 to 10 years apparently, by some sort of crash. And that's why you should at least be hedging your bets with some precious metals. You should at least have some of your portfolio in precious metals. You can do that with my friends over at birchgold.com. Right now, thanks to a little-known IRS tax law, you can even move your IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver, which is perfect for folks who want to protect their retirements and they're afraid of, of serious changes in the market. Birch Gold Group has a long-standing track record of continued success with thousands of satisfied clients, countless five-star reviews, and an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. You can get a comprehensive 16-page kit showing how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can legally move again your IRA or 401k into precious metals if you so choose. To get that no-cost, no-obligation kit, go to birchgold.com slash Ben. That is birchgold.com slash Ben. Use the slash Ben's. They know that we sent you. Okay, so the big breaking news over all of the day yesterday and, uh, and most of the day today is Roy Moore, the very controversial Alabama Senate Republican nominee. He, is, uh, he was hit with a series of allegations by the Washington Post. 30 sources have talked to the Washington Post about Roy Moore's alleged history of when he was in his early 30s trying to go out with women who are anywhere from 14 to 18 years old. The most serious allegation is brought by one particular woman who was 14 years old um, named Leigh Korfman, and she alleges sexual assault by Roy Moore when he was 32 and she was 14. Uh, the allegations themselves are, are sickening. There are some people today who are trying to make light of the allegations by saying, well, you know, he's 32 and she's... 16 or 17, is that such a big deal? Hey, I am 33 years old, okay? I'm, I'm exactly the age that Roy Moore was when Roy Moore was apparently doing this stuff. The idea of even going anywhere near a high school freshman is so perverse and sickening. And anyone who ever tried to do that to my sister or my daughter, I would be very tempted to grab my shotgun from my safe, drive them to a remote spot and take them out. Really, if someone were molesting my 14-year-old sister, that would be the proper solution. Now, the question is whether these allegations are true or not, but here's what the Washington Post says, and we, we owe it to the people who have spoken on the record by name to at least take the allegations seriously. And the reason I say that is there's this tendency on some people, on part of some people, on both the right and the left, to basically let things go when it's, when it's your side. Right? So Teddy Kennedy drives a car off a bridge, there's a woman in the back, she dies, but Teddy Kennedy's really an important politician. He's part of the Kennedy family, so we let it go. Bill Clinton, he can molest the help, doesn't matter. So long as Bill Clinton is for abortion, Nana Berlay of Time Magazine says that she would perform oral sex on him as long as he keeps abortion legal. Right? We see this with Donald Trump in the last election cycle. All these allegations of sexual assault and sexual harassment hit, and a lot of people say, well, you know, lesser of two evils, you still got to vote for him, or at least we, still, we, we at least have to voice support for him. Now, I'm not going to equate voting for a candidate with necessarily su supporting everything that the candidate is, does, and has done in the past, because there is more to it than that, but... There is a moral question here as to whether you are allowed to either vote or support a candidate who does these sorts of things. And 
this is something that I, I had serious problems with during the election cycle. The lesser of two evils mentality, particularly in politics, will lead to the worsening of all of our politicians. Because basically it allows you to get away with anything. Right? Teddy Kennedy can murder someone, and that's totally fine, so long as Teddy Kennedy votes the right way. Bill Clinton can molest the hell. Totally fine, so long as he votes the way, the right way. Donald Trump will be the right way on abortion for the right. Therefore, who cares whether he was saying that he could grab women by the P word, and then there were allegations of sexual assault by a number of women, some of whom were underage, right? All of this goes by the wayside. I hate this stuff. I hate it. The reason I hate it is because in the end, the American people are going to have to decide what kind of people we are. Are we the kinds of people who care so much about the policy and so little about the character of our politicians that we are willing to elect the worst people in America just to defeat the other side? Or are we going to have to get together and collectively bargain together against our own immorality? Because what we have here is a basic classic prisoner's dilemma. I've talked about game theory on the program before. A prisoner's dilemma is essentially a situation in which your dominant strategy is to do the worst possible thing. So to elucidate what a prisoner's dilemma is for purposes of this discussion, think of two guys. It's the movie L.A. Confidential, starring Kevin Spacey. And in that movie, they, they capture two suspects. They put them in separate rooms. And then they tell each suspect, if you rat on the other guy, then we will let you off. But if you do not rat and the other guy rats you out, you're going to get the max sentence. If you both rat, both rat on each other, then you're going to get somewhere in the midway, right? You're going to get, instead of a 10-year sentence, you'll both get a five-year sentence. So... The best solution for these guys would be to not testify to anything, right? The best solution would be for them to keep their mouths shut because then they'd be released. The second best solution for both of them is if they, is if they testified the other guy did something wrong, right? So if they both testify the other guy did something wrong, that's the best possible solution because if you say the other guy did something wrong, you get out and the other guy goes to jail. Well, the problem is unless you really, really trust the other guy, you're both going to cheat, that you're both going to say the other guy did something wrong, you're going to tell on each other, and you're both going to go to jail. That's what's happening here with regard to bad people who are politicians, right? The right doesn't trust the left, rightly so. We don't trust that the left is going to uphold any sort of moral standard with regard to their candidate. We look at all of these politicians that they've supported, despite how disgusting they are, and we say, well, if you're not going to support, if you're not going to withdraw support from politicians who do disgusting things, why should we? Why should we hamper ourselves by handing you an Alabama Senate seat by not supporting somebody like Roy Moore? This is immoral logic because there's an actual mo the, the difference between a normal prisoner's dilemma and this is that there's an actual moral imperative for people to come out against sexual assault. That does not exist in a normal prisoner's dilemma situation. But you can see why everyone is falling into this trap, right and left. The left looks at the right. They say, you supported Trump. Why shouldn't we support Clinton? The right looks at the left and says, you supported Clinton, why shouldn't we support Trump? Each looks at the other and they say, you guys support bad guys, so why shouldn't we support bad guys? And so we all end up supporting bad guys. We need to have a bargain with one another as Americans. Everyone needs to say, I am not going to support bad people. Now, here are the allegations about Roy Moore. The, the easy way out for people on the right has been over the past 48 hours to basically say, well, it's not been proven. One of the problems of sexual assault allegations is it's very difficult to prove them. Right, particularly 40 years after the fact. If you believe Juanita Broderick, but you don't believe Lake Horfman, you need to ask yourself why. Does it have something to do with politics, or is there something more credible about Juanita Broderick than Lake Horfman? I don't think there really is. I think that Lake Horfman seems relatively credible. And again, you know, one of the questions here is going to be, does this fall apart over time? Does the story fall apart over time? You know, Roy Moore denies the allegations, um, but you have to judge for yourself. And I think that we all have to be intellectually honest. Do you doubt the story, or do you doubt the story for political purposes? Right? Do you doubt that the story is true, or do you doubt it because you want to vote for Roy Moore or because you want to support Roy Moore? 
Here's the allegation. On Thursday, the Washington Post dropped a bombshell report on Alabama Senate Republican nominee Roy Moore. They allege he engaged in a sexual assault of a 14-year-old and that he solicited multiple other underage women some four decades ago. So according to the Post report, this is over at Daily Wire, in 1979, Moore, then 32 years old, allegedly met a 14-year-old girl named Lake Horfman outside a courtroom. He asked for her phone number, picked her up at her home, took her to his home, where he, quote, took off her shirt and pants and removed his clothes. He touched her over her bra and underpants, she said, and guided her hand to touch him over his underwear. After that, she asked him to take her home, and he complied. Okay, now, there's, that would be just one allegation, but there are multiple allegations of, of Moore propositioning women who are very, very young. Three other women between the ages of 16 and 18 say Moore propositioned them during that same period. The Post adds that none of the women say that Moore actually forced them into any sort of relationship or sexual contact. So it is slightly different than this more, most egregious allegation. According to the Post, Wendy Miller says she was 14 and working as a Santa's helper at the Gadsden Mall when Moore first approached her, 16 when he asked her on dates, which her mother forbade. Debbie Wesson Gibson says she was 17 when Moore spoke to her high school civics class and asked her out on the first of several dates that did not progress beyond kissing. Gloria Thacker Deason said she was an 18-year-old cheerleader when Moore began taking her on dates that included bottles of Matthias Rose wine. The legal drinking age in Alabama was 19. The last one, you see the, the, the Washington Post trying to stretch a little bit. You know, a 32-year-old guy dating an 18-year-old girl is not my cup of tea, but suggesting that the real wrongdoing is that she drank. Okay, underage drinking is a thing in the United States. Okay, the idea that 18-year-olds don't drink is just silly. In any case, uh, you know, approaching 14-year-olds for dates and 16-year-olds for dates and 17-year-olds for dates when you are 32 years old, yuck, yuck. So Moore denies the allegations. Korfman, by the way, voted for President Trump in 2016. She says she did not come out earlier on this story because she is thrice divorced and has children and was afraid that her story would be doubted. So a lot of people on the right are saying this looks like a coordinated hit. There's one month out from an election and Roy Moore suddenly is being hit with these charges. It looks like an oppo dump. Right, why are all these women coming out now? Now, what the Post says is, as soon as we started talking to these women separately, we, we went down to start reporting on this race. This is what this is the Post says in the article. We started reporting on the race. We were ignoring it because it wasn't that important. It's an Alabama Senate race. The Republican always wins. But we decided to go down and report on it. And when we did, there were these rumors about Roy Moore doing all these things. We went and we reached out to all of these women. They all spoke on the record. They all gave their names. And they all told similar stories. So that adds some credibility to these particular allegations. So... Here's, so, so the question becomes, number one, whether people should support more, and the, and the second question becomes whether more should be moved off the ballot involuntarily. It's very difficult to get more removed from the ballot. If you do that, you can't replace him with anybody else. There's a sore loser law in Alabama that makes it nearly impossible for the Alabama Republican Party to replace him on the ballot. Now, you remember back all the way to 2002, the Democrats had a similar problem with a senator named Bob Torricelli, Bob the Torch Torricelli. He was involved in corruption. And the New Jersey Democrats sued to have him removed from the ballot and replaced on the ballot by someone else. And the court ruled that was okay, which was a violation of the law. And a lot of Republicans were very upset about it. Well, this is a similar sort of situation. So Roy Moore is denying all of this. Here is his statement. He says, today, the Judge Roy Moore campaign for U.S. Senate issued a statement responding to yet another baseless political attack by the Washington Post, a paper that has endorsed Judge Moore's opponent. Moore campaign chair Bill Armistead released the following statement on Thursday afternoon, quote, Judge Roy Moore has endured the most outlandish attacks on any candidate in the modern political arena, but this story in today's Washington Post alleging sexual impropriety takes the cake. National liberal organizations know their chosen candidate Doug Jones is in a death spiral, and this is their last-ditch Hail Mary. So he's relying on the, the media bias charge. Again, that carries some weight. Right? You do have to say that the media bias charge carries some weight, when the media, you know, the same Washington Post way back when, uh, I believe it was actually Newsweek way back when, uh, was quashing the Lewinsky stuff. But, you know, the Washington Post 
is against Roy Moore, but that's not changed the, the credibility of the accusers, right? The, the accusers are named again. It says the Washington Post has already endorsed the judge's opponent, and for months they've engaged in a systematic campaign to distort the truth about the judge's record and career and derail his campaign. In fact, just two days ago, the Foundation for Moral Law sent a retraction demand to the Post for the false stories they wrote about the judge's work and compensation, but apparently there is no end to what the Post will allege. That story, by the way, uh, is still out there. The Post has not retracted that story. That, po- that story says that Roy Moore took about $200,000 from a, the Foundation for Moral Law for doing very little work. And the, the uh, statement continues. The judge has been married to Kayla for nearly 33 years, has four children and five grandchildren. He has been a candidate in four hotly contested statewide political contests, twice as a gubernatorial candidate, twice as a candidate for chief justice. He has been a three-time candidate for local office. He has been a national figure in two groundbreaking judicial fights over religious liberty and traditional marriage. After 40 years of public service, if any of these allegations were true, they would have been made public long before now. Okay, now, that's not an argument I particularly like. The argument that we would have known about this earlier, because... We now know that there are allegations that are surfacing about a wide variety of public figures that nobody knew earlier. Or if they did, they were rumored but never confirmed, right? Harvey Weinstein was doing this crap for 20 years, and we're finding about it now. Denny Hastert was the Speaker of the House for the Republicans for several years. Denny Hastert, it turns out, was molesting high school boys. So this idea that, that it didn't come out for decades, therefore it must not be true, that's a little bit of weak tea. It's a little bit of weak tea. They say that the garbage is the very definition of fake news and intentional defamation. You know, the, the question is whether Roy Moore is going to actually file a lawsuit. Even if he files a lawsuit, no guarantee that the lawsuit is, is either going to succeed or that it proves that Roy Moore is innocent of the charges. You can file a lawsuit and then later drop the lawsuit, right, without being countersued, presumably. Uh, President Trump has sounded off. According to the press secretary, she says that, Roy, that, that Trump said, quote, he believes if allegations are true, he will do the right thing and step aside. He's calling for more to step aside if the allegations are true. But that statement, if the allegations are true, is a pretty dicey one because, again, there's no way for anyone to confirm whether the allegations are true except based on, except based on the word of the person who's talking about this. Right, so you know, I know there are a lot of people who are thinking about, you know, why wouldn't these women come forward earlier? Why did they keep silent for so long? And I think that it is important to read some of the accounts of women who didn't come forward earlier. I'm just trying to be intellectually honest as I can be about this because I don't know and you don't know. Right? I don't know whether it's true and you don't know whether it's true. All we can do is go based on the allegations that are made by four different named women in the Washington Post report and somewhat substantiated by supposedly about 30 witnesses. Right? So you know, people who, who were talked to at the time. I'm going to get to why I think it's important to read the accounts of women who have kept silent for a long time about people who molested them in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at the USCCA. So you've heard me talking a lot about the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. And right now, you get to go to their free live training event, Tuesday the 14th. And, and it's all about what, you're do, what you should do if you are forced to defend yourself in your home. You'll get to ask your questions live as personal defense experts show what you can and cannot, you know, when you can and cannot use deadly force in your house, what happens after you shoot, you will be arrested, and what you should do, training skills to keep those skills sharp. And you can make sure you get all of this at their live training event. Go to concealedcarrylive.com to secure your spot. Again, you'll get concealedcarrylive.com. You get all that information. Plus, you get three chances to win a Glock 19 just for registering. They are giving away three Glocks live during the training. Don't miss out. Concealedcarrylive.com now to get your three chances to win. Again, that's concealedcarrylive.com. Concealedcarrylive.com gets you great information. Plus, the three chances to win a gun, which is pretty cool. Okay, so... There's what I think is kind of a heartbreaking account from Nancy French. Nancy French is uh, uh, the friendly with the Daily Wire. She's the wife of uh, David French, with whom I'm pretty good friends. Uh, and Nancy has ghostwritten for a wide variety of right-wing public figures, ranging from David Clark to, uh, to Sarah Palin. 
And, uh, and here, is, uh, here is what she says. She says, I used to admire men like Roy Moore because I loved everything about church. The off-key acapella rendition of Onward Christian Soldiers, the typos in the bulletin, the ladies who smelled like Aquanet with little rouge circles on their cheeks, and yes, men like Moore who said long prayers and ran the show. This changed one hot summer day when I needed a ride home from vacation Bible school. I was delighted when the preacher volunteered to drop me off. As we drove, I chatted incessantly, happy to have him all to myself without people trying to get his attention in the church parking lot. When we got to my house, I was shocked that he walked me inside my dark house, even more surprised when he lingered in conversation and thunderstruck when he kissed me right on the lips. At 12 years old, I swooned over my good luck. He picked me out of all the girls at church, but the relationship, especially after he moved on, reset my moral compass. If all the church conversation about morality and sexual purity was a lie, what else was fake? Now that the family of God felt incestuous, I rejected the church and myself. Didn't I want the preacher's attention? Didn't I cause this? When I careened from faith, I made a series of poor romantic decisions that later almost cost me my life. Still, I couldn't very well criticize the church because I was an utter emotional mess. On Thursday, all of this came back to me, after I read one sentence in the Washington Post. The article was about allegations that Alabama Senate candidate Roy Moore sexually touched a teenager when he was in his 30s. A sentence from Lake Corfman, who was 14 at the time, jumped out at me. Quote, I felt responsible, she said. I swallowed back tears as I read the rest. I felt like I had done something bad, and it kind of set the course for me doing other things that were bad. After her life spiraled with drinking drugs boyfriends, she attempted suicide two years later. In fact, she didn't come forward earlier because she worried that her three divorces and poor financial history would make people doubt her story. This is one of the reasons why women don't come forward sooner, is because they do carry guilt when there are situations like this. And sexual predators, this is well known. Whether or not Roy Moore is one is still questioned, you know, but it is true. Sexual predators tend to target girls who are in a vulnerable state. They tend to target girls who they can shed, uh, shed some sort of shadow on their, on their credibility if, something, if push had come to shove. They'll, they'll target girls who are fragile emotionally uh, and, and seen as unstable. And then if the girl says something, they'll say that it was fabricated. Right? This, is, this is very well known uh, that this is something that older male sexual predators will do. Okay, with all of this said, I'm going to leave it up to you. When I say I'm going to leave it up to you, I'm going to say, well, here's, here's my perspective. And then I'm going to say that, that you, have, you can have your own perspective. I believe that these allegations are credible. I believe the allegations are credible because this woman went on the record and because there are multiple women who allege that Roy Moore reached out to them as teenagers and that he went as far as they would allow them to go and then stopped when they said no, right? The, the allegations seem consistent to me and they seem credible to me. With that said, would I support Roy Moore? The answer is no, but that was not my line for supporting Roy Moore, right? I think that Roy Moore has said things that would lead me not to support him anyway. Now, there is a complex calculus that goes on, unfortunately, in politics with regard to the impact of particular races. We are willing to accept more bad behavior from a presidential candidate because the presidency is so important. We're willing to accept bad behavior from Senate candidates because the Senate is so important. If this guy were running for dog catcher, would you vote for him? The answer is no. If, that, if this guy were running for Congress, would you vote for him? The answer is probably no. But you have to decide whether you believe the allegations are credible, and then you have to take a good hard look inside yourself and determine whether you think the allegations are credible, but you're looking the other way because you think that it is more important to elect someone who has done bad things but may implement an agenda that you like. If that's the case, then we really have reached the point where character means nothing in American politics, like nothing. And you're seeing this, right? You're seeing this. The Alabama State Auditor, a guy named Jim Ziegler, he, uh, here's what he said, quote, Take the Bible. Zechariah and Elizabeth, for instance. Zechariah was extremely old to marry Elizabeth, and they became the parents of John the Baptist. Also take Joseph and Mary. Mary was a teenager, and Joseph was an adult carpenter. They became parents of Jesus. Okay, well, first of all, I think it's kind of a misread. And from what I understand about the New Testament, the impression is that it was God impregnated Mary, not, not, G, not Joseph. But in any case, and also I'm not, I'm not sure where it says that, that Mary was, a, uh, was a, a young teenager when all of this happened. It says that she was a a Nara, I should say. She was a young girl, but it doesn't, Nara can mean a 20-year-old. Uh, in any case, 
uh, there's there are a bunch of people who rushed to Roy Moore's defense on this. There's a state representative, Ed Henry. He said, if they believe this man is predatory about the women, they are guilty of allowing him to exist for 40 years. I think someone should prosecute and go after them. You can't be a victim 40 years later, in my opinion. Absolute nonsense. Of course, you can be a victim 40 years later. And then you're seeing the people who are the most invested in Moore's victory speaking out on behalf of Roy Moore. So Steve Bannon, who is who tried to take credit for Roy Moore winning the primaries against uh, against Luther Strange. Again, I, I don't think Bannon picked Moore. I don't think that Bannon's support of Moore actually pushed Moore to victory. But Bannon is, is now tied himself to Moore's leg. Now he is, he's making the case in the same way that he made the case with regard to Donald Trump in the P-word tape. He's now making the case with regard to Roy Moore that it's the media that we have to oppose here. Right? The media report on alleged bad behavior, and we can't say that the bad behavior is bad. We have to hit the media instead. And this does draw a distinction here, right? And this is the same distinction I made a little bit during the campaign, and that is if you vote for Roy Moore while acknowledging that these allegations are credible, you know, I, I have doubts about whether that is good voting logic, but I think that it is possible for you to say, I'm voting for a bad man to stop a, a pro-abortion zealot from entering Congress, for example. I think that's possible. It's not a logic I hold, because I think the character in our public servants matters. But I think that you can hold two thoughts at once, that somebody's a bad person and that you voted for them because of the lesser of two evils, right? This is sort of the, the Trump argument. But what you're seeing from some people on the right is they're actually attempting to minimize what Moore's allegations were, right? They're not, they're not actually saying that the allegations aren't true. They're saying even if they are true, it's not a big deal. This is, is a step even beyond voting for more. This is excusing evil behavior if you believe the allegations are true. Here's Steve Bannon basically doing that. But it's interesting. The Bezos, Amazon, Washington Post that dropped that dime on Donald Trump is the same Bezos, Amazon, Washington Post that dropped the dime this afternoon on Judge Roy Moore. Now, is that a coincidence? That's what I mean when I say opposition party, right? It's purely part of the apparatus of the Democratic Party. They don't make any bones about it. Okay, this is quite disgusting. Uh, the Washington Post is a major newspaper. They run reports on lots of people. It was the Washington Post that was doing a huge amount of research, actually, on Hillary's emails. And despite all the rips on the mainstream media, and I'll get to the mainstream media in just a second and their hypocrisy, but... For him to suggest that it's the Washington Post, it's just a hit job, dismiss the allegations out of hand because you don't like the allegations. Steve is too smart for this, but Steve is just manipulative enough for this. I know Steve really well. Steve's smart, and the, the, him doing the Washington Post, Amazon, Bezos thing is just, Steve knows better than this, but Steve is doing it because obviously Steve wants to be seen as the head of this Trumpist movement, and therefore he feels like he has to stand by Roy Moore. Breitbart is out in full-scale defense. This is not a shock to me. I was there when Breitbart was out in full-scale defense of Donald Trump's P-word tape. I remember it. Uh, you were there. You remember it. I was there when they, when they threw their own reporter under the bus after Donald Trump's campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, grabbed her by the arm hard enough to bruise her and then lied about it publicly. Right, I was there for all of that. So it's, not, it's no surprise to me that Breitbart has made itself into an arm of the Moore campaign and is now basically doing PR for more on this story. Uh, Joel Pollack, who's an editor over there, and I know Joel pretty well. Uh, Joel's on MSNBC last night. Again, th these are not defenses that these are not defenses that moral people should be making. Okay, what Joel's about to say here is not a defense that a moral person should make. The, t the defenses to more should be one: these allegations are not credible, and here's why I think the allegations are not credible. Right, that would be one of that would be the only real moral defense of this. Uh, and then two would be maybe he's guilty of all of this, but it's politics. Everybody's dirty. I don't like that defense. I think it's gross. Uh, I don't agree with it. I think that we all should have basic standards for our public servants, um, but that would at least be an intellectually honest argument. Joel's about to make a very intellectually dishonest argument, I think an immoral argument here. 
The 16-year-old and the 18-year-old have no business in that story because those are women of legal age of consent at the time. But that's time not what the article said. The article's talking about teenagers. I mean, you can, you can argue that maybe they shouldn't be writing about teenagers, but the point is it's not inaccurate. My, my point is that the Post has successfully put a narrative out, at least on MSNBC and in other places, that there's this pattern of teenagers. There, there's really, as far as we know, the facts could come out differently, but as far as we know, there's only one relationship that's been alleged that's problematic. Okay, uh, no. If you're, if you're making out with a 16-year-old at 33, that's a, that's a problem. That's a problem. Joel has daughters. He knows better than this. And if, you are, if, you're, if you're allowing yourself to become the shill of a campaign to the point where you know, you're saying stuff about a guy on your own side you would never say about anyone on the other side, again, flip the script for a second. If there are allegations that Bill Clinton had molested a 14-year-old and that he was asking out 16-year-olds and making out with them when he was 33 and an assistant DA, which is what Roy Moore was at the time, what do you think the right would be doing? All I'm asking here is a little intellectual consistency, not because I want a Democrat to take the seat in, in Alabama. God forbid, I, I don't want a Democrat to take the seat in Alabama. My preferred solution here would be a write-in candidacy from somebody to win that seat, which is quite possible. Lisa Murkowski just did it in Alaska. There's no reason you could never write-in candidacy for someone who's not Judge Moore. But one of the things that, that I think is, is really gross is, is the, the capacity. It's, it's been amazing to me. The capacity, the human capacity to rewrite History and fact, in order to avoid cognitive dissonance, is an amazing thing to me. It's an amazing thing to me. You know, the fact that there are so many people who are willing to rewrite in their own heads the facts of a given situation so they don't have to feel bad about what they're doing, uh, it's, it's, to me, one of the, the, it is, to me, the number one problem with human beings just as a species. Our biggest problem is that we are unwilling to live with cognitive dissonance. We are unwilling to live with the fact that some of the people we may like politically are bad people or do bad things. And so instead, what we end up doing is throwing all morals under the bus in order to protect people who we think are actually doing bad things. Again, Joel making the case that a 33-year-old making out with a 16-year-old girl is, is not a problem is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing and pretty disgusting. Okay, so before I go any further, and I'm, I want to talk about the media hypocrisy here too. Now, before I go any further, I want to uh, talk a little bit about our brand new sponsors over at filterby.com. So, one of the things that you never think about in your house is the air quality. You never think about it because who thinks about the air quality? Who thinks about the, the, the vents? Who thinks about the filters that you use on the vents? Well, you don't think about it, and what you do is you leave those filters in there for five years, and then you look at them, and they are completely black, and they've been filtering out nothing, and it turns out that your house is full of dust and mold and grossness. That's why you need to go to filterby.com. Filterby.com sends you the size you need within 24 hours plus free shipping. They use double industry standard MERV rating on most filter sizes, and all their filters are manufactured right here in the United States. They can ship any size in any quantity, and you save 5% when you set up auto delivery, which is great. You know, auto delivery is what I would recommend with Filterby.com because it'll just deliver the new filters to you on a regular basis, and that way you never have to think about it again. It just comes in the mail. You say, oh, look, it came in the mail. That means it's time for me to replace my filter. You replace the filter and everything is good to go. Go to filterby.com today, get the best price on top quality filters, shipped within 24 hours, plus free shipping, filterby.com. That's filterby.com. Again, you never have to think about air quality again when it just comes in the mail and you stick it in the vent and everything is good to go. It's a no-brainer, filterby.com, best price shipped to you for free within 24 hours and save 5% when you get auto delivery, filterby.com, check it out. Okay, so none of this, is to ignore the hypocrisy of the left when it comes to these sorts of sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations. Uh, Bernie Sanders, for example, he comes forward, he says that, that Judge Moore should step aside. I first have to ask you about this revelation about a man who could be your colleague in a matter of weeks, whether you think the Republican Party well, should let, let's hope that he let, let us hope that he will not be uh, my colleague or anybody else's 
uh, colleague. You know, I, I think you have heard, Chris, that there are a number of Republicans who are saying that at this particular time, given these horrific charges against Mr. Moore, that it would be appropriate for him to step aside. And again, it's a, you know, I, I may not, you know, I just, I, I may agree with Bernie Sanders, but where was Bernie Sanders on Bill Clinton? Was he arguing for him to step aside? And this is the logic that so many people are using today. They're using this logic. I use this logic too with regard to Bob Menendez saying, you know, it would be nice if the media presented, you know, one-tenth the effort on Bob Menendez that they will on Roy Moore. Now people are saying, well, yeah, but they've got reporters at, at Bob Menendez's hearing, right? They've got Politico and CNN has covered it. It's true. But the New York Times is a very large newspaper, okay? There are a lot of pages in that newspaper. Is Bob Menendez on page one or is he on page A11? Right? You can cover stuff and still bury it. Okay, so, so Newsbusters has done a pretty good study on this, and here is what they found yesterday, okay? This is the, in the, in, from, nine, from September 6th to, for, to November 10th, okay? From, from 9-6 to 11-10, okay? They've covered, this, here, here are all the shows and how they have covered Bob Menendez, okay? ABC's Good Morning America, again, this is over a month of coverage, Actually, it's almost, it's almost two. It's more than two months of coverage. In two months of coverage, ABC's Good Morning America have mentioned it for a combined one minute forty eight seconds. CBS This Morning twenty two seconds. NBC's Today zero. ABC's World News Tonight zero. CBS This Morning zero. NBC Nightly News zero. Roy Moore. This is the first twenty four hours. Good Morning America seven minutes. CBS This Morning five minutes twenty two seconds. NBC Today four minutes twenty two seconds. ABC World News Tonight two minutes forty eight seconds. CBS This Morning two minutes forty six seconds. NBC Nightly News two minutes thirty eight seconds. If you want to know why everybody is lowering their standards, it's because nobody has any standards. If the media were consistent about this stuff, if the media said that corrupt people should resign, then everybody would be on the same page. But it's very difficult for you to say that people of the other guy's party should resign, but people of my own party should remain. And that's, that's a very difficult allegation to make. And again, another one of the people who's been doing this uh, is Stephen Colbert. You know, he, Stephen Colbert goes after, as you'll see, uh, both Donald Trump and Roy Moore in this particular clip. Besides the 14-year-old girl, the Post talked to three other women who say Moore pursued them when they were between the ages of 16 and 18, and he was in his early 30s. My God! These accusations are so damning, voters are either going to force him off the ballot or make him president. <laughs> okay, well, you know, that, that's not a Clinton joke. That's a Trump joke, obviously. It's a Trump joke. Now, I, I would just like to point out, Stephen Colbert has had David Letterman on his show multiple times. David Letterman was apparently sexually harassing the help over at, uh, over at the, the Late Show. That was the allegation anyway. Uh, so, and he had, I guess there was a settlement out of court and all the rest of it. Which brings us to Hollywood, right? We're going to get to Hollywood in just a second, where the sexual allegations are flying fast and furious, and yet you're seeing that this stuff was allowed to go on in Hollywood, and everybody knew about it for 40 years, and nobody did anything about it. Uh, I do want to point out one, uh, another area of, of media hypocrisy, uh, and that is really media malpractice. So, you know, I, I've, I've said that I, I think Sean Hannity's coverage of President Trump has been rather sycophantic, but uh, the, it was very unfair Last night, all the entire left media jumped on Sean, suggesting that Sean had defended child molestation. Now here's Chris Hayes on MSNBC, suggesting that Hannity defended child molestation. Over the past month, Senate Republicans have made it something of an art form out of ignoring questions about Roy Moore's basic fitness for office, a man who was removed twice from the Alabama Supreme Court for ethical reasons, a man who believes that, quote, homosexual conduct should be illegal, a man who once said Congressman Keith Ellison shouldn't be allowed in Congress because he is Muslim. I anticipated a fake news attack. I anticipated deny, 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 Washington Post is fake news. What I did not anticipate was watching a bunch of conservatives today bend over backwards to defend <laughs> molesting a child, and yet somehow that's apparently where we are. 
I, I thought I'd lost my capacity for shock, but reading like these are these are just some of the statements from the local Alabama uh, officials who are talking to Daniel Dale today at the Toronto Star uh, about this behavior. It was 40 years ago. I really don't see the relevance of it. She was 32. She was supposedly 14. She's not saying anything happened other than they kissed. Other than being with an underage person, he didn't really force himself. I know it's bad enough, but I don't know. If he withdraws, it's five weeks of the election. That would concede to the Democrat. There is no option to support Doug Jones, the Democratic nominee. When you do that, you are supporting the entire Democrat Party. It's like, I felt, I, I, you were talking about this being profound. It's profound in the sense that there's nothing that Roy Moore could do that is going to detach the party from him, it appears. Okay, and then he went directly after Sean Hannity, suggesting that Hannity had personally defended child molestation. That is not true. Here's the actual clip of Sean Hannity talking about Roy Moore. Uh, he did not say, there's a lot of crosstalk here, he did not say that it was a consensual encounter with a 14-year-old. He was talking about consensual encounters with a 17 or 18-year-old. He was apparently like 32, and he dated, uh, one girl was 18, one girl was 17. They never said he did, there was no sexual, there was kissing involved. And then they're saying this one encounter and, and with it was a 14 consensual. and consensual. That's true. Um, and there's, you know, I, I just. And Sean is clearly not talking about the 14 year old there. So the media jumped on this. Media Matters jumped on this. They called for boycotts of Sean. It just demonstrates how politicized all this stuff has become. We should all be on the same page about this stuff happening, about how it's bad. Right. And I think that the fact that we are not demonstrates how much politics has infused our our lifeblood and poisoned the well, really poisoned the well. Okay, so I want to talk about Louis C.K. and the allegations against Louis C.K., but for that, you're going to have to go over to our, our website at dailywire.com and subscribe. Nine ninety nine a month gets you a subscription to dailywire.com. When you get that subscription, you get the rest of my show live. You get to be part of the mailbag. Go subscribe right now. You can ask me questions live today. Uh, I'm sure there will be some people who are mad at me today. That's fine. I'm happy to answer all those angry questions. So go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. I get the rest of my show live, Clavin's show live, Knowles' show live. Also, tune in next week to watch our next episode of The Conversation. It's Tuesday, November 14th at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, featuring our very own Michael Knowles. God help us. Michael's Conversation will stream live on the Daily Wire website, Facebook page, YouTube channel. It's free for everyone to watch, but only subscribers can ask the questions. Subscribe today, ask Michael questions, join the conversation. Also, you get all of these things. Plus, for, plus, you get this, the most wonderful of all beverage vessels, Leftist Tears Hot or Cold World Famous Tumbler. You get that for $99 a year when you get the annual subscription, as well you should, to enrich your life and make it that much better. If you just want to listen for free later, go over to SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and make sure that you subscribe, leave us a review. We always appreciate it. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast in the nation. <laughs> So speaking of hypocrisy, the entire Hollywood infrastructure that spent years basically making excuses for everyone in Hollywood and ignoring it, but went after Donald Trump and is now going after Roy Moore, well, they got hit hard again to, yesterday. Louis C.K., the allegations are, is that Louis C.K. has a nasty habit of touching himself in inappropriate ways before unsuspecting women. In 2002, Louis C.K., who, by the way, yeah, there's this it, there's a sort of hot take online that you can't like Louis C.K.'s comedy now that bad stuff has come out about him. Louis C.K. is freaking hilarious. Okay, he's a really good comedian. He's also a garbage human being, apparently. Okay, so both things can be true at once. We had a conversation in the hallway before the show about separating the art from the artist, about whether you can still laugh at Bill Cosby's comedy from 1969, knowing what Bill Cosby did. And I think the answer is, yes, you can still laugh at it, just don't give him your money, right? I think that you can still watch a Roman Polanski film, you can still watch Knife in the Water and say this is a good movie, and still say the guy who made it's a creep. A guy is a rapist, right? I mean, I think that you can you can do those things. You don't have to like burn every Buffalo Bills tape you have from the 1980s because O.J. Simpson killed his ex-wife. 
I, I think that it, it's important just as a society to recognize that because otherwise we, we start setting up these societal litmus tests that are very weird. Like you mentioned that you watched the Cosby show. Like, ooh, you must not care about date rape. That's silly. Okay, in any case, CK apparently asked two female comedians in 2002 to come to his hotel room and then he proceeded to get naked and uh, pleasure himself before them. That was not his only time doing this. He did it in 2003 to Abby Shackner, apparently, in 2005 to Rebecca Corey. Uh, and uh, this the story from the New York Times resulted in the cancellation of the premiere of his new movie, as well as Stephen Colbert's late-night show appearance. Uh, apparently, in the new movie, there's a scene where Charlie Day, playing one of the characters, mimics publicly pleasuring himself, and in which characters appear to dismiss rumors of sexual predation. Um, it's, uh, you know, this is really gross stuff, and amazingly enough, you're seeing a lot of the Hollywood elites you know, avoiding talking about it, for sure. So you're seeing, like, Aziz Ansari apparently was asked directly about it. He said, I have no comment. How do you not have comment? How is this tough? Like, legitimately, how is this tough? And again, these are allegations. Let's say that Louis C.K. had come out and denied them. The women are on the record talking about them. Would you deny them? All right, let's talk about Kevin Spacey for just a second, okay? Because the allegations about Roy Moore and Kevin Spacey are actually quite similar. The allegation about Kevin Spacey was that he took a 14-year-old to a party and then brought him into the bedroom and tried to sexually molest him. The allegation about Roy Moore is that he picked up a 14-year-old and brought her back to his house and tried to sexually molest her, right? Those are the allegations. And the allegation is, by the way, exactly the same in the sense that when the 14-year-old said to Spacey, stop, apparently Spacey stopped. And when the 14-year-old said to Roy Moore, stop, Roy Moore apparently stopped. Now, some people are saying, well, Spacey didn't deny the allegations, Moore is. This is, you know, it's true that that is a significant difference. It is also true that if Kevin Spacey had denied it, would you believe it? Would you believe it if Kevin Spacey had denied it? Or would you say, probably happened? especially since the actor was willing to go on the record. Again, I'm just pointing out here, folks, try to be intellectually honest with yourself. That's how you know whether you are, you are acting in accordance with your morality is if you ask yourself these tough questions. And I'm not telling you which way you have to come down. I told you how I come down, what I think is the moral thing to do. But if you choose differently, that's your problem. It's a free country. Um, but at least be honest about what you're doing. Okay, time for some things I like, things I hate in the mailbag. So things I like. Uh, there's a movie out by Noah, ba uh, Noah Baumbach, uh, who is not my favorite director. I really don't like his work very much. But The Mayor with Stories on, uh, on Netflix, which is now getting all sorts of, uh, it's getting rave reviews and also it's getting buried because Dustin Hoffman was accused of sexual harassment and he stars in the movie. He was seen as somebody who would be up for an Oscar nomination probably for this. The movie itself is not any great shakes. It's nothing where you watch it and you're like, I'm blown away by this film. But it is such a wonderfully backhanded critique of New York liberal culture that it's pretty spectacular from that perspective. Like when you watch it as a conservative, it's sort of conservative porn. It's sort of like you're watching it and you're realizing that the, I don't know if Baumbach meant it this way, probably not, but the whole thing is a brutal critique of, of New York Upper East Side Jewish liberalism. Uh, and it's a very Jewish movie, obviously. The mayor, what story is meant to be that way. Um, but it's, it really has nothing to do with Jews because these people you know, don't have anything to do with Judaism. Uh, they're just New York liberals. Uh, here is the, here's a little bit of the preview. You don't know if this place is a client. That's why we could get a table so last minute. That's why they gave us this bigger table. I imagine they'll send some complimentary stuff, too. $55 for a steak. We're known for their meat here. And $35 for a salmon. You get the salmon to blow you for that price? Are you Harold Meyerowitz's son, Matthew? Yes. Uh, and this is Danny, also Harold Meyerowitz's son. I didn't realize he had two sons. And a daughter. Dad, you be okay here? It'll be nice to spend time with Dad. No, I didn't get a lot of time with him growing up. Shut it up! Well, once we had an easy ride, 
They pitch it as a comedy, but it really isn't a comedy as much as it is sort of a dramedy. So basically, the characters are, um, you know, Ben Stiller is the successful son who is not artistic. So here's, here's sort of the plot. You can pause the, the trailer. Uh, so the, so when, when you actually hear the, uh, so here's the, here's the plot, basically. Dustin Hoffman is an aging sculptor, okay? And he's never created anything that really is meaningful or great, uh, but he's sort of a minor artist. And his sons are Adam Sandler, who is a former pianist who is unsuccessful and has been basically a house husband taking care of his kid. And, uh, and his other son is Ben Stiller. They're half-brothers. They have Mare, what's the, the Dustin Hoffman character, has been married three separate, four separate times, I guess, in the movie. Uh, annulled once, three divorces. Uh, and, he is, uh, and he is a jerk. Right? He's a jerk who sees himself as a genius. He basically ignored Adam Sandler when Adam Sandler was a kid, but he was very warm to Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller didn't turn out to be artistic, but he went out and made a lot of money. Adam Sandler ended up being kind of a house husband. Uh, and so the whole movie is sort of about their relationship with Dustin Hoffman. What's fascinating about it is that it's meant to, I think the movie is trying to say that art is, that, that art is worth it, but there is one key speech that Adam Sandler gives where he basically says, I, try, I have to think that my dad was a genius because otherwise he's just a jackass, basically. <laughs> and it does demonstrate, I think, in a backhanded way, how the artistic community thinks about itself. It's okay to be a bad person so long as you create good art. I think embedded in here is one of the messages that is plaguing Hollywood right now, that Hollywood actually believes that if you make good art, that justifies you being an awful human being. And Dustin Hoffman sort of gets away with it in the film, being an awful human being. But uh, that's, that's sort of the problem. And I'm not sure that, I'm not sure Baumbach meant to say that, but if he didn't, he should have, because I think it's, a, it's an important message. Okay, things I, things I hate. Uh, so, I mean, the entire news cycle would be the thing I hate today. Uh, the, the other thing that I hate is that Hillary Clinton is trying to claim that she, is now, that she and her movement are now responsible. The fever in America has broken. And now Americans are finally coming back to their senses. You know, I think the fever is finally breaking. I think that Americans, and as we saw last night, are saying, you know what? We really like our health care. Uh, we don't like uh, hatred and bigotry. And we don't want to get shot wherever we go mm -hmm. uh, in our country. So I think that... God, she's so terrible. Okay, the hatred and bigotry is, a, is what's a, ending now. And we don't want to be shot wherever we go. I mean, I can't imagine why... I can't imagine why we didn't elect this woman president. I mean, what a harridan. The, the idea that anyone wants to be shot wherever they go, that's why we own guns. It's just asinine. The idea that everyone who voted for Trump is a racist, it's just disgusting and asinine. The fever is not going to break because everyone has a fever, okay? The reason everyone has a fever is because our politics have taken over our morality, and Hillary Clinton is one of the main drivers in that. Okay, time for the mailbag. So... Calvin says, hey, Ben, I'm a huge fan of yours, but I live in Australia. Would you ever consider coming here to speak? Uh, yeah, actually, we've had some invitations from Australia. Big travel like that to Australia, it always means that we have to bundle together a bunch of speeches. So we are working on that. We're also working, as I say, on, uh, on a trip to the UK at some point in the relatively near future. Uh, Menachem says, hey, Ben, do you believe that aliens and ghosts exist? Uh, I think that there's a better shot that aliens exist than ghosts exist. Uh, I don't believe in ghosts in the sense that I don't think that, like, a corporeal, that corporeal beings are, are wandering around the hallways of your house. I think that once once you're dead, you're dead. I don't think that you're you know coming back to talk to people, except maybe in dreams. Uh, but the idea that you're like wandering around, attempting to communicate with the with the living world, is not something I buy. Um, I think the spiritual world and the physical world are somewhat separate. Uh, the idea that uh, aliens exist, possible. I mean, there are a lot of planets out there. Uh, would they be intelligent? Not necessarily. But I think it's it's implausible to me that there are that many planets and that many stars, and nowhere has a, a one-celled organism lived. You know that that I find implausible. Um, Kathy says, hey, Ben, you've held very strong political opinions since you were young. Has having children changed any of your earlier positions? Um, 
Not really, because I think I like the way I was raised. I mean, I think that one of the things that, that when, when you have kids, what tends to change your positions is you tend to get uh, a little bit stricter on moral matters. But I grew up in an area that was strict on moral matters, and I grew up in a good situation, so I never felt the need to, to buck them. I think a lot of people move from sort of libertarianism toward conservatism when they have kids. I was already conservative socially, so there's no place for me to move. Uh, Janie says, I'm working on a paper concerning judicial review. I've always been enticed by your objections to judicial review. I've heard your rudimentary arguments against it, but would like to dive a lot deeper into the issue. What works or authors do you recommend besides Waldron? If judicial review were abolished, would there then be a need for written constitution? There'd be a need for a written constitution so that we would at least have a document around which to rally. Right? You still have to swear your oath to uphold the Constitution in every office. Judicial review would just not make the, the judiciary the final repository of judgment on judicial review. Uh, there are a bunch of books on judicial review and the problems with it. Bork has talked about it extensively uh, in Tempting of America. Uh, there are also um, – I'm trying to remember uh, the, the name of the fellow who – very, very famous book on judicial review um, – I'll have to look it up and I'll get back to you. I'm sorry. Uh, Kyle says, when you run for president, will you ask Steven Crowder to be your running mate? Uh, I'll ask Steven Crowder to be my lifting mate. He seems like that's, that's more his thing. Uh, Cedric says, hey, Ben, do you also ship the magnificent leftist here's tumbler abroad to Europe? I don't know, guys, do we? Um, I do not know the answer to that. So um, I'll, have to, I'll have to find that out. Uh, Rowan says, dear Ben, the government has to provide essential services like police and fire protection. Yet even with a flat tax, the richest taxpayers still pay much more in absolute dollars than the poorest taxpayers. In other words, the rich are paying for the poorest police and fire services. Why then is it any different if taxes are used to provide health care? Well, I mean, it's different because the role of the government is different. If you're asking why a flat tax is better than a progressive tax, it's because percentages are still uh, proportionate. Uh, and, and the idea of proportionality is still better than non-proportionality. Uh, as far as what services are used, these are two separate questions. The idea... The, the, the veracity of a flat tax versus what the tax dollars should be used for are two separate questions. I don't think tax dollars should be used for health care because in the end, your health care is individually your responsibility, whereas fire and police protection are in the end communal responsibilities since fire can jump home to home and because crime has, uh, has communal effect. Okay, Sarah says, hey, Ben. You've advertised your ability to better my life via subscription to The Daily Wire. All right, so I'm an annual subscriber and a current student at UCLA, and I cannot get a spot to listen to you come speak next week. Can I cash in on your offer to better my life by finding me an extra seat to attend? Email me, Sarah, and uh, I will do my best. Justin says, my sister is 15 years old. She's being influenced by her SJW-ish friends at school and become, became anti-Trump without good reason other than how he handles himself on Twitter. How do I go about positively persuading her to conservative ideas and red-pilling her without sounding condescending? Well, I think that, first of all, I think that a lot of what Trump says on Twitter is really dumb. I mean, have you, like, this has been a thing that I've been saying for years now. Um, I think that you can uphold conservative principles without having to defend everything Trump does. Uh, this is a big mistake I think people make. So don't let that be the hill you die on, in other words. Don't die on the hill of Trump's Twitter is great. That seems to me a bad hill to die on politically. Uh, Brian says, hi, Ben. I have heard your opinion on abortion numerous times as an avid listener. My question is, what is your opinion on the morning after pill? I'm truly curious and appreciate your opinion. So my opinion on the morning after pill is that the morning after pill is, a, is an abortion pill. Uh, again, once a human life has been conceived, meaning that it, the egg has been fertilized, then you are talking about the destruction of that incipient human life. Uh, and that is a, a problem to me. Uh, Jonathan says, Dear Ben, how do you feel about labor laws? As conservatives, one of our core principles is limited government. Do you believe in the government having labor laws such as a standard 40-hour work week? Thanks. No, I don't believe that the government ought to be able to bargain on my behalf against my employer. It is my job to bargain on my behalf against my employer. I am for private sector unions that do just this. I am for private sector unions that do just this. I am not for, private, uh, for, for public sector unions that take advantage of tax dollars or legislation that restricts my right to contract with someone freely. Uh, by the way, 
I do have an answer from our producers now. We do, in fact, ship the tumblers overseas. So if you're in Europe, feel free to subscribe and get the tumbler. Uh, Mason says, one passage of the Bible that has always interested me is the story of the Tower of Babel, which obviously comes right after the story of Noah. I've always struggled with this passage because I don't see what would be wrong with the people building a city and a great tower. I was wondering if you could elaborate on the meaning of this passage. Sure. Uh, so I, I actually was planning on doing this next week, but I may as well do it now. Uh, the basic idea of the Tower of Babel is that it is communitarianism at its worst. So the idea of the Tower of Babel is that they're not building the tower to better the lives of the inhabitants. They're not building the tower in order to do anything useful. It specifically says they're building a tower in order to challenge God. In other words, the idea is that we are going to build these massive edifices to demonstrate the capacity of humans as a community to build amazing things. And the Midrash, you know, a lot of the, the commentaries on the Torah, they talk about the idea that if a human being, the tower was so great, that if a human being would die in the building of the tower, they would just take the body and stack it into the tower. Right? They wouldn't even stop to, to bury the guy. Uh, the idea here is that this is much more like a fascist regime, that it's a fascist regime that directs all of the communal labor toward the creation of these massive monuments, not toward the, not toward the betterment of individuals' lives, not toward the betterment of, of family situations, but instead a community directed not toward the betterment of, of individuals with value, but directed instead at building giant things in order to demonstrate that human beings are more powerful than God. That's actually what it says right there in the Bible. Okay, so this brings us to the end of this week's mailbag. If you want to be part of next week's mailbag, you need to subscribe at dailywire.com. Again, $9.99 a month or $99 a year will get you that subscription. Uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on Monday. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.